broadcasting from the Annie Up studio. It's the longest running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scale. Hello, A-Team. It's Friday, February 10th, and I, well, I've been sick this week. Thank you to Elliot, Tay, Mike, and the ambassadors for working with me as I worked through it. But as they say, the show must go on, so let's get on with it. Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with Table Talk. Okay, here I am around the table with Mike again. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, Joe, what's up today? Oh, I've got a little bit of a cold, but I'm trying to get past it. Tighten that up before the weekend. It's been nice and warm out here today. I hope it was down at your place. Oh, my gosh. It was over 60 degrees here, which is incredible. I mean, it is it is February, right? Yeah, we hit 68, I think, over here. 68, 69. A t-shirt weather to me. Yeah. What are we doing with this weather in February? Yeah, I'm happy with it. That's fine. <laughs> me too. I'll take it. Of course, we're going to pay for it in August or September. It'll be 110. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Uh, the first thing is, I don't know if you know it or not, but the uh, Super Bowl is this weekend. I know it. A- along with the Super Bowl comes those fun prop bets. Well, the the constant prop bet every year is the National Anthem, which is the over-under on 124 seconds. Uh, who's going to sing it this year? Uh, Chris Stapleton. I'll tell you what, let's 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 lay our bets on our ourselves right now. All right. So Chris Stapleton has a lot of runs in his yes. list, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna put my bet over one twenty four. Because one twenty four says two minutes and uh four seconds. Yeah, just over two yeah, minutes. Yeah, I'd say it's gonna take him a little bit longer than that. Especially if he plays a little bit of slide on his guitar or something. So his hat color is uh. actually one <laughs> One of the questions. <laughs> and you have black or any other color. I'm going with any other color on that one with a feather. <laughs> um, all right. You've got any other color. I'm going to take black. Then you've got um, you've got over under song totals. Or the halftime show? Yeah. The over and under is set at eight and a half. You take an over or under. Well, she don't have it about 20 minutes, does she? Um. So does does it count if she plays half of the song? Well, see, that's what I don't know. I was thinking half a song is not a song. It's half a song. You know, you're going to suck up 20 minutes in about six songs. Let's say that it just amounts as if she plays any part of the song. How many are you going on? I'm still going to say under. Under? Yeah, I'll just, take the over. She's, you're going to say what? Over? Oh, uh, I'm going to take the over, yeah. Yeah. One of us going to win. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got Rihanna's hair color. Black, blonde, red, pink, purple, or blue. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm going blue then. Oh, you're going blue. <laughs> I'm going blue now. That's it. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm just going to be boring. I'm going to go black. Okay. I figured you'd go red. Wow. Uh, I mean, it, red was an, definitely a close second. Uh, do you know who her favorite team is or the team that she's rooting for? I don't know, actually. Huh. What's the next prop bet? The next prop bet would be Gatorade color. Okay. So the winning team, when they throw the Gatorade on the coach, is it clear or any other color? I'm going to go any other color. Yeah, you got it, right? Any I mean, other color. Who wants, who wants clear Gatorade? Nobody. Nobody drinks clear Gatorade. <laughs> so that that's our prop bets. We'll see how we did 
when we come back next week. But uh, we've got uh, the national anthem. We both took the over. Mm-hmm. Chris Stapleton's hat color. I have black and you have any other color. The Chris don't let us down. <laughs> Song totals of eight and a half. I took the over. You took the under. Rihanna's hair color. You took blue and I took black. Yep. And the Gatorade color. We both took any other color. That makes a lot of sense to me. Well, we'll see how we do there. Another fun thing, uh, and and I want you to get in on this next time too, played in my first Papes tournament on the 6th. So Papes is played on every day that ends in 6. Okay, on the calendar, right? Yeah. Six. So the 6th, the 16th, and the 26th. And I had a blast playing. So this is a game that was put together... Uh, way back in the day by Chris and Scott, you know, they used to have Apes, which was the the Annie Up Intercontinental Poker Series. And then when things got shut down on the internet poker, it was brought back for play money. Uh, so instead of Apes, they changed it to Papes. Play money, Annie Up Intercontinental Poker Series. I, I the thing that I love about it is that there's so many different games. This last week was uh, Texas Hold'em. It was fun, but uh, I'm looking forward to the next one because it's gonna be Raz. Oh, there you go. I just love playing some of those fun games that you don't get to play very often. Absolutely. You know they'll have an Omaha High Low. I think you know split pot games are always fun. Yep. But. Uh, do, yeah, do they so I had, a, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Okay. You'll have to join us in the next one and see what's available. All right. I had such a blast. Some of the some of the Antioch fans were talking to me while playing, so it was good to kind of get in the mix with them. And, uh, you know, I didn't win. So there's that. There we go. So- <laughs> <laughs> one thing I'd like to say. Uh, is, well, I just want to thank mm-hmm. uh, some of the listeners. Uh, it, it, we get some emails and some invitation to some home games. Uh, there's a couple of them. It's a couple hours from me. I know some of them are closer to you. But, you know, I mean, that's why this Papes is so great, because we'd love to go to everybody's hometown and play in every single game, but that's not feasible. So uh, if you haven't already... Download Poker Stars. Click on the home games tab. Enter the club ID number, which uh, is two eight seven nine two zero, and the invitation code is Up Nation. But just go to the Up Fans Facebook page and look for Papes there. You can find all the information and and join a game because I'd love to play with you guys. Awesome. That's it's called Papes. P A I P S. Correct. Yep. Okay. All right. Hey, what's the deal up in Kentucky right now? I know we talked last week about uh, them trying to get their bill passed. Yeah, I hate, this is sad news, actually. So lawmakers in Kentucky are going to sacrifice the online poker legalization in order to get sports betting brought to Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So I guess it wasn't going to pass. So they, they decided if they get rid of the online poker part of it, then sports betting will pass, hmm. which I don't understand, but it is what it, it is. It is what it is. This is the fifth year in a row that a bill that would make online poker legal will fail in Kentucky. Wow. I mean, there's got to be some reason that the majority doesn't want it. Yeah, I think, I think honestly, 
it's just a matter of not knowing what it takes to play poker. Yeah, I guess so. Anyways, what's up for your weekend? Well, I'm going to try to get better so that I don't have to keep taking cold medicine and my voice hopefully sounds a little bit better for next week's podcast. And and I think you're going to be somewhere playing poker, aren't you? Yeah, I'm sneaking up to the rivers there in Portsmouth, checking it out, the new one. I've been wanting to get up there, so I'll be rolling out there Friday and Saturday, playing a little poker and a little blackjack, see what happens. Nice. So if you are in the Portsmouth area, head on down to rivers out there and see if you can spot Mike. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> Mike will be the one with the shortest stack. As long as we're playing poker. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have, um, you're going to go up there on, uh, you said Friday and Saturday. I actually decided instead of driving back and forth every day that I'm just going to grab a room and, uh, they don't have a hotel right at it yet. I think the closest one's a couple miles away. Yeah. Keep your phone on for me. If I run out of money, I'm going to need some help. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know what it's like next week. Uh, I hear it's beautiful. They have made parts of it uh, non-smoking now. So go and play some poker, hit some golf balls at a top golf, and let me know what other amenities they have. That would be a lot of fun to check out. Absolutely. All right. Well, have fun up there. Yes, sir. I'll talk to you later this weekend, my friend. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mike. Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter. Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He's been the one to give the feedback on the Call the Floor segment for quite some time, and he's back with us today. How you doing, Elliot? Hello, Joe. Things are going well up here. Uh, the bad weather finally broke, and it's now pretty bearable. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, obviously, I have a little bit of a cold that's kept me uh, down a little bit, but uh, the show must go on, right? Indeed. <laughs> Today's Call the Floor is a little bit different. It was sent in by Drew Cohen, and it comes from a vlog, which he had sent us the video to, to follow along with as well. But basically, um, there's a vlogger who was involved in a hand, and they both tabled their hands, but Drew was worried about uh, maybe an angle shoot or maybe a miscommunication or something where the winner was not awarded the pot due to the fact that the dealer had grabbed the cards and put them in the muck. He apparently reached out to the person in the video and asked him about the hand, and the vlogger had expressed that he wasn't concerned about the hand because once he tabled his hand, then it doesn't matter if the dealer mucks it, it's still live. Drew says he would like to know what uh, Elliot thinks of this kind of situation. So uh, what do you think, Elliot? This was an interesting uh, uh, video. Uh, thanks for sending in the link along with the, uh, the situation. I appreciate that. And you queued it up for me perfectly. Appreciate that too. So I watched the situation and it unfolded pretty much as you described. Two players made it to showdown. Uh, the hero, the vlogger, had the winning hand. Uh, there was not much audio from the dealer and the other players, but based on what I've seen, it was apparent that everybody at the table, including the dealer, knew that the hero had the winning hand. The dealer took in the loser's hand, failed to place it face down and into the muck, and then before pushing the pot, proceeded to take the hero's hand, put that face down in the muck, and then pushed in the pot. So I could see where the average player would be worried, because be, the only hand face up on the table was not the winning hand. Uh, very technically, yes, uh, in some rooms, the guy without cards is not going to get the pot. I'm not a big fan of technicalities, and I never rule like that. 
I absolutely want at the end of the hand, the winning hand to get the pot, period. Once you have reached the end of the betting round and into the showdown, uh, poker is not being played anymore. Uh, now the game is over, the hand is over, the pot must be awarded, it must go to the rightful winner, uh, regardless of the circumstances. I see what the vlogger is saying, that he had his hand face up at the showdown, so it's live. I wish that were entirely the case. At this point, unless it's identified correctly by the other players and the dealer, uh, the only person who knows you have the winning hand can potentially be surveillance. Well, the surveillance is definitely part of the game in most casinos. Surveillance is not a player at the table <laughs> and cannot always be counted upon to help you out. You, if you're playing in home games or, or home-style tournaments, country clubs, private clubs, you may not have the luxury of surveillance. Somebody takes away your face-up hand and it wasn't identified, by anybody else other than you, you may be out of luck. So hanging on to those cards is pretty important. The dealer's following correct procedure is much more important. The dealer should never be taking the winning cards from the player until they push the pot. It's true. If they do, there shouldn't be any other hands on the layout. The last hand to be turned face down must be the winning hand. There, there must be no recourse for anybody who wasn't the winner to have a shot at taking this pot away via technicality or any other rule in play. Losing hands cannot be left on the table, period. Right. So, yeah, there can be a lot of questions. Something like this happened to me similarly, and I, well, suffice it to say, I didn't give up my cards. I was playing a, a pretty major tournament, Omaha high-low, no less, so a little more complicated for, for novice dealers to read hands. And I was all in for my last chip and was going to get half the pot, potentially. Well, the dealer was having trouble reading my cards, wanted to bring my cards to the board so they could show the hand and the board. And it's like, no, you can read my hand from here, as I had my, my palm squarely and solidly on top of the cards. They weren't going anywhere. Uh, the dealer reached for them. I, I held them. No, no, I'll take the pot. Well, I have to read the hand. Well, you can read it from here. No, I got to put it up. No, you don't have to put it anywhere. Tried to reach for it again. I squatted his hands away. And then he screamed, you can't touch me. I said, you can't have my cards. It's very simple. I'll call the floor. I said, please do. Get them here now. So I was admonished for touching the dealer. And it's like, no, I didn't touch the dealer. I just kept the dealer from taking my cards. I didn't reach across the table. He reached across the table to my cards, which I was protecting. He wanted them. He didn't read my hand. I wasn't giving up my card. So the actual rule in play is not face up makes a, a hand live. The, the actual rule is face up and correctly identified makes a hand live. Okay. So as Drew says, trading cards for pots is the proper way to do that. 100%. It's just like getting uh, getting your car from valet parking. It's like getting your your hat and coat from coat check. It's like getting your laundry at the, the dry cleaner. Uh, no ticket, no item. It's the same thing. Your your cards are the receipt for the pot. Better give me the pot first, then you can have the cards. Very good. All right, that's our call the floor. Thank you, Drew, for sending that in and making a great point. Thank you, Elliot, for breaking it down. You're very welcome. Good to see you, Joe. Let's break it down with Hand of the Week. All right, here we are with another Hand of the Week with Tay Whiteside. How you doing, Tay? Hey, Joe. I'm doing okay, man. It's been a heck of a week, but I am excited to live vicariously through our guests who submit exciting stories about poker. <laughs> so let's get into it. Speaking of guests, this Hand of the Week is sent in by Vic G. And I just want to take a minute to do a shout out to Vic because he has offered up a lot of feedback and he's also... Uh, given quite a few submissions already. So that's nice. Uh, that's good. Just so I just wanted to give a little shout out to him. 
We've got a top level fan writing in this That's week. That's right. That's right. What's up, Vic? Thank you, man. And I'm I'm also going to do this a little bit different. So, you know, when we as we've been doing this, I've noticed you've been getting better and better with your There's no way that's possible. <laughs> no, really. It really is. It really is. And uh, so this week, I want to go through the hand completely through your eyes. So you're going to give your feedback on what you would do at the end. You can tell me how I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Then we'll go over some things that you could have done differently or or whatever. Oh, this is like poker class. (laughs) All right, let's do it. I love it. All right. So in in this hand of the week, we're playing one, two, no limit hold'em, eight-handed. So uh, we're playing eight-handed at the local Florida poker room. The table is full of the usual old man coffee crowd of morning regulars looking to hit the $100 hand, high hand paid every 30 minutes. The only exception is the player on our right. He's tough, but he's too aggressive and he never shows his cards. He usually mm. walks away a winner, so I generally change tables when he arrives. But he's on my direct right today, so I've decided to stay put. Good for you. Stand up against the school bully. (laughs) I just beat him out of a nice pot when he bet $55 on the river a couple of hands prior, and I had the king high straight. Okay. I've started ramping up my speech play in recent months. Not only does the table get a kick out of it, but it's won me plenty of pots. I'll call for cards I don't need, bet when I say I've missed, and tell my opponents I have the nuts when I'm bluffing. Stuff like that psychological operations (laughs) there you go i mean that's that's half of poker right is messing with people trying to get a read on people i mean the 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 trope of the the pro poker player with the sunglasses on and the visor and acting all closed off and tough it's like i get it you're trying to protect the onlookers from from you showing any sort of emotion but Right. Uh, I I love messing with people so much, and that's the that's usually the kind of <laughs> poker that me and my friends play. So I I approve, Vic. Mess with them. Psychological warfare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zig when you should be zagging. Especially when he this guy's aggressive and he's tough. Like, right. Yeah, fight fire with fire, man. In this hand, I'm first to act, holding the King of Hearts, Queen of Diamonds. What are you gonna do? King of Hearts, Queen of Diamonds. So I, I'm. At the very least, going to call the $2 to play. So if I'm the first to act, that means this guy, the tight, the tough guy is big blind, right? Correct. So, but there's no money on the table really right now. So I'm at least going to call. I'm just going to lock that one in there for sure. But <laughs> okay. So you know you're what? not let's, holding. Let's, let's, let's bet 10, you know, nice. I, I would, okay. I would bet a 10, a king, king and queen off suit. I'm first to act. You know, the first round, if I bet right up front, the round, it's going to weed out the people that have crap hands, most likely. So, yeah, I'm a bet 10. Let's see how that works out for us. <laughs> Vic says, I generally like to play for more than $2 when I have a good hand like this. So I raised to $7. Okay. Me and Vic were he raised a little bit fairly less. aligned. Yeah. Vic's probably smarter. <laughs> <laughs> the player on my left is a tight old guy who passes his time at the poker table while playing the horses. <laughs> he, he only risks a small $100 buy-in, even though the max is $400, but has recently doubled up off that guy on my right. He now raises to $17, one of the few three bets at the table. The low jack calls, as does the button. When action is on the big blind, he just calls. 
It's $10 more to me, and I will close the action. What's the move? All right, so let me see if I understand this correctly. Our dossier on this old guy is that maybe not solely focused on poker, he's doing other stuff. That's an interesting comment that he said. You know, he's like helping us picture this this person. Right. But nonetheless, he raises to 17. Everyone else calls. I mean, we don't know what's out there yet, so I'm going to call, I think. You're already in it. You've already raised out of the gate. I'm going to call for sure. You got you to gotta lie in the bed you made for yourself. You know? <laughs> that's, that's fair. <laughs> Uh, so Vic says, I just call the $10. The flop mm-hmm. is the queen of spades, queen of clubs, and nine of hearts. Let's go. <laughs> Trips. The big blind checks and the action's on us. Turn it up to 11. That's the move. <laughs> you got to now, right? Uh, at least $20. I think I'm, I think I'm going to bet 20 on this one for sure. Should I explain my decision making anymore? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. at this point, I'm feeling quite impulsive. Uh, I'm excited to play poker through the eyes of Vic G. All right. So you bet $20. Yeah. What's the pot? What's in the pot? So how many people had 17 in on the first on before? Five? 17 times five is 85. Plus the blind that folded. So it's yeah. 86. So there's 86 on the table. And I, as Tay, has just decided to bet 20. And I guess this is the difference between walking through a poker hand like this versus sitting at the table and looking at the cash and or chips on the table. Right, right. right. <laughs> there's a different impact. There's a different perception. There's a different possible, possibly a different reaction. Right. So the only thing I'm going to say on this part right here, $20 into 86. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're about to say. So you're not you're not making a very big raise for sure, right? Uh, yeah, well, I know that now, and and now because I've done this with you a few times, I know that the percentage of the pot that your bet is is relevant. Yes, which is interesting to me because I've never thought about that. I've never thought what does my bet and or raise look like compared to the money on the table, and I probably should. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different way of thinking about it, but it's important, um, especially when you start to get into the mindset of what am I trying to accomplish with this action? Okay, well, but that's what I said I would do, and that's if this was happening in real time, that's what I would have done. Okay. Uh, All right. So what, is, what does Vic do? All right, so Vic bets $25, so he didn't go super high either fix on my team (laughs) (laughs) the the under the gun plus one calls and it's folded to the big blind who also calls now i say this is where a speech play comes in yeah now i say come on baby give me a king put a king out there dealer that's clever the turn is the six of diamonds this time the big blind leads out for two green $25 chips. So he put $50 out there. What yeah. are you going to do with that? Okay, so that's very interesting. So if if our wordplay is to be believed, if there's anyone that, that took us seriously there, they think once the six of diamonds hit the table that we don't have anything. Or we didn't at least get what we wanted. Right. Which And, and one would hope, if that wordplay is successful, that they now think that they can beat us easily, which might be why the big blind put out the $50. Cause it's like, well, he didn't get his King. 
this might be uh, an easy win. However, we have Trip Queens, so that was a clever bit of psychological warfare. The question is, how well did he sell it, right? How believable was he? What sort of eye contact did he make? What was his body language? On paper, as a script, it's hilarious and brilliant, and I love it. But I'm curious (laughs) to see how it worked out for him. Uh, The move... now the move in my opinion would be to they're they're ready to put more money on the table we got trip queens let's milk them for all they've got i'm gonna call the 25 or the 50 if that's what comes back around to me all right do you want to make fun of me now or later (laughs) (laughs) no we will not be making fun of anybody but (laughs) um but we'll 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 definitely talk about that move here a little bit Um, Vic says, I call the 50, which is what let's you go. Me and Vic are the same kind of poker player <laughs> and continue to implore the poker gods to give me a King. Okay. When action moves to the pre-flop three better, he's grinning and shaking his head. Love it. He shows his cards to the end of the table and slams them down into the muck. All right. Another guy out of this pot and we're heads up. The river is the seven of hearts, making the board queen of spades, queen of clubs, nine of hearts, six of diamonds, seven of hearts. With little hesitation, the villain announces all in and tosses two $1 chips into the pot. He has $302. I wonder aloud, why bet so much? I'm going over the possible hands that might beat me, saying queen ace. Pocket nines, pocket sixes. I apologize to the table for tanking, telling them that I have a hand and show my king-queen. My opponent then slowly moves each of his three stacks into the pot so I can see that it's 302 to call. I have two $1 chips in my hand to call when the villain says, take as long as you need. (laughs) Okay, so now what? This is getting uh, intense. (laughs) We went from a $50 bet to a $302 bet. Right. And he went all in on what? That's what we're trying to figure out. We have three queens. It's queen, queen, nine, six, seven, nine, six, seven. He might have a straight. I don't see the possibility of a flush. Uh, Boy. (laughs) I I have to say I'm liking this new format. Uh, I'm enjoying watching you squirm just a little bit. <laughs> this is this is why poker's tough, right? <laughs> you got emotions, you got adrenaline, and those things make you uh, forget statistics and being smart. So, if he had a straight, it would be what? Well, it could it could be uh, he'd have to have the five and the eight. So that's what he would have had to have played pre-flop on a three-bet pot, which would be a wild hand. All right, let's for the sake of saving everyone's morning commute here on the podcast, <laughs> let let's let's just say that I call the 302. Okay. And and I look at him with razor eyes while he mocks me for taking too long. <laughs> what happens next, Joe? So Vic also called. The villain tables the ace of spades, queen of hearts. Oh no. And scoops the pot. He beat us with the high card. Yeah. Yeah. So his God. kicker his kicker was was better. The under the this, gun the under the gun plus one. So the one on our left folded the king of spades 
king of clubs. He had pocket kings. He had pocket kings. Wow. So it's, it'd be hard not to play aggressive on a pocket king, too. He was the one that showed his cards to the end of the table. Oh, well, I would show those off, too. It's a nice pair. So there's there's something to be said for paying attention to all of the action going on around the whole table, right? Yes, the bigger picture, because I get tunnel vision a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to think about um, what kind of hand is this guy going to have showing it to the rest of the table? Yes. Which ki- What kind of hand is worthy of that sort of... Uh, right. Pocket Kings make sense, prominent. right? Sure does. That's a brutal one. So one thing to point out, um, at the very beginning, you know, you bet 10, which I don't think is terrible. Uh, I probably would have gone in the 10 or 12 range also. But when somebody three bets you that has been super tight or hasn't been involved in the game. Usually they got something good. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think it hurts to call, you know, mm. cause it's $10 more to, to close out the action. I don't think it hurts to call there, but you certainly have to be a little bit leery, especially once they lead into you for that 50, you have to start thinking what what's going on here, right? You certainly should, Joe. You certainly should. You know, that's when you've got to start thinking, did they have maybe a pocket pair that's turned into a boat? I mean, obviously, ace-queen is, is something that is a good three-bet hand pre-flop. Yeah. So, you're, you know, there's a lot of things out there that can beat you for sure. Uh, another thing to think about is if you're going to be using speech play, then you have to pay attention to how that speech play is affecting everyone around the table as well. You know, all of those cues from everybody at the table is how you start to piece together the information that you need to make the proper calls, folds, etc. Also, that uh, that $20 bet we already talked about, that $20 bet, yeah. you'd be better off checking than putting $20 out there because that's just throwing that away. You're not getting any information. Sure. The thing that you always want to be thinking about is I'm building a story and I'm getting information. Those are the those are the main takeaways from this is is hopefully you can remember build a story and gain information. Yeah, I like that. It really depends on everyone's own capacity for like self-reflection and observation because I'm not the greatest at self-reflection. <laughs> But I am extremely observant. I read people like a book. So I, you know, I got 50% of what it takes to become a good poker player. <laughs> yeah. The, the knowing, knowing the consequences of your actions and also the, the pool in which you're swimming, right? Like the, the bigger picture, what's going on, like why people are acting a certain way. It's a tough one. Well, I think, I think the, the other question that I have, though, is the, the big blind, when the big blind leads into you for $50, what what are they thinking there too? Because you're already you're betting you're you're putting money in the pot. It's another one yeah. of those pieces of the puzzle that you have to kind of piece together and say why you know why is he leading into me? Is he maybe trying to induce me to three bet by putting such a small bet relative to the pot? Hmm. I mean that's the thing, like because in my mind it was like. Uh, oh, they think they've got us. You know, that that's what I thought at the time was that because of the wordplay, they acted based on their thought that we were powerless because we didn't get what we wanted. But that's assuming 
that and I was thinking this at the time, that's assuming that they even believe this in the first place and that our word is even even that impactful. So I think maybe Vic here might have gotten a little carried away with his own with his wordplay and and might have assumed that it was more impactful than it was. Vic, I don't mean to ridicule you because I clearly I made the same decision you did. <laughs> but we have the we have the good graces of hindsight here. Exactly. That is one thing about speech play or, or word play. It is harder than people realize because it is easy to trick yourself a little bit, right? Yeah, you start believing your own your own reality. You start concentrating on what you're going to say instead of some of those other cues that are going on around the table. That might be what happened here. What a hand. Yeah, I mean, an emotional hand all around. I hope that uh, everybody enjoyed the different take that we did with it here. Yeah, you guys got to watch me uh, get close to the bandsaw on this one and fly <laughs> solo. So hopefully that was enjoyable. Like I said, you know, as, as we've done this, I feel like you've gotten better with the decision making. I think that doing this is going to help everybody take it to the next level. So hope everybody enjoyed that. Vic, thank you again for sending that in. If you have a hand of the week that you would like Tay and I to break down, then uh, send it to podcast at anyupmagazine.com. Keep sending them in. This is fun. It's a privilege to do this, Joe. I thank you for including me, man. Absolutely. The question is, how you running? All right, let's go back to Texas. Frankie the Fox is our ambassador down there. Hey, uh, Frankie, I, I know last time we talked, you got that Choctaw chimp off your back, uh, but how you been running since? Yeah, that's right, Joe. I'm I'm doing okay down here, running good. I'm I'm still stoked though about that about that WSOP main event five figure cash. That personally, it, it means a lot to me because I have been stung there so many times and played a lot of events. And the thing is, you know, we have two big casinos uh, that are adjacent to Dallas within an hour. One of them is Windstar in Thackerville and uh, Choctaw, of course, in Durant. And Choctaw has more of the events that cater to the, the, the poker players. I don't know. I don't even know if Windstar still does the river. That was their only main event. So the opportunity to play is at Choctaw. And if you're running bad at Choctaw, it's I'm, 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 I'm losing money, you know, so. But uh, I'm, I'm really stoked about that uh, that five-fig cash, and uh, I'm actually running pretty good right now. That's good. I mean, we've all got those those places that seem to sting us a little more than other places for some reason or the other. So it's it's good when you can get a big win there. So congratulations on that. What uh, what about the rest of the, the state there? What's what's Texas poker scene look like right now? So we we have a we have a mix of legal and illegal or underground rooms. The legal rooms, uh, we might have discussed this before. They're uh they're they're pretty structured and homogenous, you know, if that makes any sense. I mean it when you walk into one it's like you're walking into a business, you know, I mean, you can feel that. Sure. So in the underground rooms, more of a, of a social club. And, you know, I know a lot of the rounders uh, that have been playing for years. And uh, to be honest with you, those underground rooms cater to the poker player. Uh, you pretty much get uh, whatever you want to eat or drink, or they, they really take care of their players. Now they're raking to pay for all that attention you're getting, but uh, it, it's more of a, it's more of a casual communal poker experience 
rather than the, you know, structured uh, legalized rooms. So kind of from that standpoint of the, the underground versus the legal rooms, the pros, they, they tend to go to those legal rooms, I assume. Yeah, that's uh that's that's a fact. Uh, walking into those 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 legalized rooms, uh, you've got you've got guys that are in there every day, you know, grinding out a fifty k living a year, you know, uh, which don't sound bad, but man, that's that's work. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, once again, they're 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 nice in the fact that you know they've always got good security and uh, you know they they take care of their uh, other players as far as providing a, a great place to play and and safe and everything. Well, what about uh, any big tournaments? We have any big tournaments coming up there in texas no the the, the next one coming up is a wsop uh c event in in tulsa at the hard rock that's the beginning of march okay i may make the drive up there and, and sit in a few events i think it's through the middle of the month so that's the big one that's uh that's on my calendar but uh, there's always some weekly events uh or tournaments at choctaw and i think uh winstar may have some smaller events as well uh, so there's always there's always poker you know, within an hour's drive, structured poker. But yeah, these and these card rooms, these legalized card rooms are starting to have some decent tournaments as well with some decent payouts. So there's always opportunity. Well, that's a good deal. Well, keep us up to date on that uh, Tulsa one and we'll check back in a few weeks. Sounds great. Sounds great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, so our Midwest ambassador is Bob Popper. He's still hiding from the cold out there in Florida, but doing a great job uh, keeping us up to date on what's going on in, in the Midwest. So Bob, how you running out there? Hey, Joe. Uh, good to talk to you again. I'm, I'm still running pretty well. Uh, again, it's all poker all the time out here. Uh, you can find a game anywhere, anytime. There's so many poker rooms down here. And uh, even where I am in the villages, they, they have a dozen, dozen and a half games every week that, that you can play at noon or play at five at night. You know, everybody, they roll in the sidewalks here later than that. So <laughs> after eight o'clock, there aren't too many poker players, but I, I'm doing okay. I, uh, I've been holding my own. I've been doing pretty well in a couple of tournaments. Uh, I play at Oxford Downs. That's kind of my my home base poker room out here. And uh, a couple of days ago, um, I ran pretty deep in a hundred plus person tourney and came in sixth and uh, did okay. Uh, you know, a couple of bad beats, but other than that, I was doing okay. Congratulations on that. Well, thanks. And hey, speaking of bad beats and back in the Midwest, there are some great. I I almost wish I were back there now and and just could <laughs> could drive around and try and play the bad beats. Uh, there are so many out there with. Uh, some great dollars to be had. Grand Victoria and Elgin, for example, their bad beat uh, is over sixty thousand uh, wow. dollars. They're having some hand promotions out there, um, and it's quad threes that has to be beat out there. Hollywood and Aurora is over a hundred and thirteen thousand dollars at last count. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good one. Rivers in Displains is one hundred and sixty-six plus thousand dollars now, and uh, they're running a high hand uh, event as well. Southern Indiana, they've got some high hand uh, tournaments out there. They've got uh, a lot of things going on that I'll get to in in a minute. Let's see, four wins. Their bad beat is two hundred and sixteen thousand plus, and they're doing some daily five hundred dollar high hand tournaments, thousand dollar hot seat events, and um, now last but not least, uh, the bad beat in uh, Horseshoe and Hammond is over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for quad jacks being beat. So there's a lot of money to be had out here uh, in bad beats. Uh, we all complain when we get bad beats, but boy, if you get that kind of money put in front of you and you, you lose with whatever you've got in your hand, you can't complain when they put a lot of chips back in front oh. of your seat. Absolutely. That's the only time you ever wish for it. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's correct. Um, speaking of Horseshoe and Hammond, they have an up-and-coming WSOP event. Um, I think I mentioned this before. The 26th of this month through March 6th. It's always a great event. They always put on a, a, a great show out there. So anybody that's around, uh, they, they attract attention from uh, the entire country. And it's a great event. So you might want to look at that. Poker is still growing. Casinos are still growing. They've got a lot of plans to put up new venues in the Midwest and in our area. Um, there's one going up uh, actually in a couple of months. It's supposed to be up in a couple of months in Danville, Illinois. Um, at this time, there's not going to be a, a poker room. Uh, it's the Golden Nugget that's going to be putting this together. And the general manager, uh, I, Julius Bazin, said there's going to be a lot to do besides poker. They're going to have slot machines and roulette and craps and blackjack and all the other things. And what I call carnival games... Uh, uh, things like Ultimate Texas, Hold, Texas Hold'em and Baccarat and Three Card Stud and Pai Gao and all of those other things that should um, uh, should get their visitors uh, excited and they'll have a lot of fun out there as well. Right. And you said that'll be up in a couple of months, right? It's supposed to be uh, by the end of April. So hopefully in a couple of months, if uh, schedules go according to plan, they'll be up and running. Nice. I always like to see the new places coming up. Well, um, they're going to be new, and one of the newer horseshoe uh, facilities, relatively speaking, is Indianapolis, and uh, it's a it's a great property. Uh, they're having a lot of daily tournaments and a couple of special ones, including a, a partner's Valentine's Day event uh, and tournament where it's just a $200 buy-in. You grab a partner and have a good time. But their big one, and actually I think it's uh, it's going to be their largest tournament ever, is going to be at the end of the month. It's a $50,000 guarantee event uh, that starts February 24th at 11 in the morning, and it's going to run for a couple of days. So that's something to take a look at. Um, they put on a, a a great show there as well. They've got a lot of daily tournaments. They won't have daily tournaments during that end of the month event. Uh, they've got high hand and bounty boards, and you can even win a, a seat to the main event. They're going to have a drawing for that. So uh, I think that's during their player appreciation drawings on February 27th. They have high hand qualifiers on Mondays in February, where it's $500 that they pay starting at 1 p.m., and uh, they pay $500 an hour until midnight. So okay. you can go out there and uh, uh, even if you get a bad beat, if you have a high hand, it might be worth 500 bucks. We've talked a little bit about Camp One Step coming up April 20th, but you, you had mentioned there's some other charity poker tournaments happening out there. What do you have with those? Well, I tell you, I'm I'm so proud and pleased to be with Annie Up because we're such advocates now of charity poker events, and uh, you know we want to support those events like Camp One Step. There are a couple of others that people might be aware of, like Play Poker Chicago. It started a few years back, uh, was really hit by the pandemic, and Kevin now has put that back together, and uh, they really got a lot of good things going on now. They've got some tournaments going on February 10th at the American Legion in McHenry, the 11th at the American Legion in Joliet and uh, the Moose Lodge, February 18th in Joliet. You can get more information if you go to www.playpokerchicago.com. They do a lot of good things with charities, as does Windy City, uh, Windy City Poker Championship. People may know Kirk from Windy City. They're actually this weekend. They're going to be in Homewood in Governor's Highway. I think it's 18460 Governor's Highway. They're going to be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Cash, regular tournaments, 
high hands. They've got a bad beat in their cash games of $3,000. And even in tournaments where you don't normally see bad beats, they've got a $1,500 bad beat in the tournament. So that's interesting. If you want to get a hold of Kirk Falla, you can do it at Kirk at WindyCityPokerChampionship.com or just go to their website for the schedules of when the games start, what they are what the buy-ins are at www.windycitypokerchampionship.com. And of course, then Rockford Charitables also uh, do the same kind of thing. Okay. And then, as you mentioned, uh, the Camp One Step that Jeff and you did a great job of talking about in our last podcast. Don't forget about that. April 20th at 6 o'clock at Galleria Marchetti in Chicago to benefit children with cancer. Great deal. Well, anything else you need anybody to know from the Midwest? Um, And if there are any other charity events going on out there, please let us know. Uh, We want to help support you and the charities that you support and get players out to come to your events. That's absolutely right. All right, Bob, I appreciate you uh, taking the time again. And we'll touch base in a couple of weeks and see what things look like out there in Florida again. How's that? Okay, sounds good. I got to go out and buy some more sunscreen. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Bob. Take care. It's time for Joe's One Outer. Today's One Outer is in honor of Valentine's Day on Tuesday. It's no secret, negative emotions can impact the way we play poker. Fear can make even the strongest poker players fold timidly, while anger can make them spew chips to every player at the table. The correlation between the negative feeling and the undesirable result is pretty easy to recognize. But what about the other end of the spectrum? Love may make the world go round, but does it affect the way we play? In the cutthroat world of poker, love is simply out of place. Love for the game itself can be a problem for some players, sucking up too much of their time and energy, and for losing players far too much of their money. If players are either too lazy or too impatient to learn how to play poker properly, a love affair with poker is a pastime they literally cannot afford. On a more personal level, Love for another poker player can pose somewhat of a problem if that player is sitting across the table from you. For most of us regular people who play in regular games, it's difficult to be a poker shark when your prospective victim also happens to be a loved one. The trade-off is a few less chips in exchange for a better personal relationship. However, one of the worst ways we express love at the poker table is the fondness that we develop for the cards themselves when they look like a sure winner. Big pocket pairs, flop straights, promising draws... All these hands lure us in with a hypnotic power as they stare up at us from the felt with the promise of chips to be won and opponents to be conquered. It doesn't seem to matter that one wrong card can transform the beautiful winner into an expensive loser. Love (laughs) is blind. As anyone who has ever been in love can attest, it can be difficult to say goodbye. In life, the cost of refusing to let go can be catastrophic. In poker, the cost is a loose call or two, or maybe 20, which soon adds up to a catastrophe. There's an irony in all of this. All of us began playing poker in the first place because it was fun, and that's why most of us continue to play. So we play poker to feel good, but if we want to play the game well, we can't let ourselves feel too good, at least not until we've walked away from the table. Feelings like love can enhance our lives immeasurably, but it can become a liability at the poker table if we let it get out of hand. That's today's One Outer, and that's our show. See you next week, A-Team, and until then, I'll see you at the tables. The Any Up Podcast is a production of AnyUpMagazine.com. 
contact the show at podcasts at anyupmagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at anyupmagazine.com.